everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the Global Careers Calls podcast from the University of London Career Service. Listen in to stimulating career conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. This season's focus is corporate careers, so let's listen in to our Global Careers Call. Tanyal Kazim calls Andrew Lepsin, Ukrainian based in London. Andrew is a seasoned professional in the legal industry with over two decades of international law experience. We explore Andrew's rich background as a former public notary and discover the pivotal role he played in bringing Uber to Ukraine. From practical top tips for crafting an impressive law CV to philosophical career wisdom, we hope you enjoy this call with Andrew. Andre, I am ecstatic to be speaking with you once again, this time for our Global's Careers Call. Welcome to the show. To set the scene for our listeners, can you just describe where in the world you are today? I am in England, the United Kingdom, home of University of London. Brilliant. Yeah, that's great. So, Andre, let's dive in. What's been on your mind at work this week? It's been how to find out a better job with a better opportunity because currently I am receiving some knowledge from the University of London and that is why I am keen to find a better opportunity and a better job. Wow, so we find you right in the middle of a job search. That is a very interesting time to be talking to you. (laughs) Exactly. I can imagine it's quite stressful but exciting time for you. How is that going? Are there any tips you can give? The first step is your CV has to be prepared as minimal as it could be. So it should not be such a huge CV. And the most recent experience is very vital. If you are a career starter, you have to know details of what you are thinking about and what are you going to and what is your point If you're a career changer and you are seeking for some senior role, uh, you additionally to CV, to networking, to communication, you have to know somebody within the industry who could say, oh, I know somebody who could ask a guy listen to you. Not just doing something on behalf of you, just because we're living in in, in very technological advanced uh, society and a huge amount of robots searching your CV. And what I've discovered, that when you send to some companies, the first and even the second step, there is no involvement of human being in checking your CV. It's checked by the artificial intelligence. So there are always mistakes with artificial intelligence. If you've been unsuccessful on first step and on second step, you have to ask yourself, has been your CV checked by some sort of app? If yes, and you're still interested in this company, you have to find somebody via LinkedIn who been already placed to this company to ask what are the ways and could somebody listen to me, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, and maybe it would be helpful. It's, it would not be a simple, but it would help at some point. 
very valuable information for all career stages. So just to summarize for listeners, these days, a lot of CVs are checked by screen reading softwares looking for keywords and phrases. So make sure you're aware of that. And then for somebody a bit later on in their career, you are saying it's more about who you know and highlighting the importance of establishing those networks. So thanks very much for that insight. I wish you very well on that job search and we are going to reveal more about your studies with us as well and how that might be helping you. But I want to start with your career journey so far. I mean, where to start? Your professional profile reveals that you have over 20 years experience in law, sales and business development. Can you tell us and the listeners the narrative of your career journey so far, just in a few words? I am, like you just said, 20 years plus experience in civil law system, including about five years in management of the technology company. And I am studying with the postgraduate program, Maritime Law with the University of London because I am keen to change my career from the civil law system to case law system, like in England. Excellent. That is some very good context for our listeners. And you, you touched upon there. So your, your specialty is law. And I understand you've held numerous roles as a legal advisor of sorts. So law associate, general counsel, and the like. And what's interesting, as you've just mentioned, is you're currently studying a degree with us at the University of London, and we will get onto that in its own section. But listeners, do stay tuned because it's a very intriguing and quite a niche area of law. But for now, Andre, and to create some more context for our listeners, who will be at different career stages themselves. As you complete your University of London degree with us, would you define yourself as a career starter, a career developer, or a career changer, or indeed something else, your own term? I'm pretty convinced that I am a career changer because I would like to change the vector to maritime industry. So in past, I was just a public notary, maybe most rightly to say notary, and currently I am planning to go into maritime industry with business destination point. And that is why I'm studying maritime law in University of, of London. Hmm. So you mentioned public notary. There will be a lot of listeners who will not know what that is. They might not have any clue uh, about the law industry. And so these specific roles and terms might be a little bit difficult for them to understand. So could you explain exactly what that is? I am originally from Ukraine. It's like certifying documents, agreements, managing the inheritance. In Ukraine, the notary has a pretty wide range of responsibilities. So if you need, for example, to represent somebody, you have to go to notary, sign so-called power of attorney. In most common language, it's just document. You have to sign document or certify document or transfer a property. All of that stuff it's doing in Ukraine by a notary. Mm. I have a couple of questions off of that. So what sort of skill set then do, you, do would you say somebody looking to to try that type of work i imagine a lot of analytical skills and written communication 
logical reasoning, perhaps? Uh, yes, and the first point of entry, you have to check the document and to see the person into, into the person's eyes and check and ask yourself, does this particular person need this, why they come to me or not. So it's, it's most vital and responsible work for notary to check if person need this or do not need. Mm. So some, some client relationship management sort of skills do come into that as well. That's quite interesting because the, the series that we're currently in is about corporate careers and we've had a number of different individuals saying different things, some being in entrepreneurship, some in consulting, and so I'm starting to see some themes here with, with the, the, the legal side. So Andre, I want to take you right back to the career starter version of Andre, who burst onto the law scene as a young, enthusiastic, budding lawyer. Do you recall that time? And how did you position yourself as somebody fresh out of university, but a willingness to learn with enthusiasm. The, the first step you have to learn yourself how to listen. You have always to listen. The more you listen, the better for you. And eventually you could go faster throughout your process of adaptation. I mean, in some stage of your career, the main thing is how to unite, combine like skills uh, if you are ready to take risks, but not too much. It is always a rhetorical question to weigh the risk and not to go outside of your responsibilities. It is something you could learn from your entire life. Yeah, that is some, some great wisdom for, for those, especially starting out in their career, because to take that first step is always a, a daunting one. Can I dig a bit deeper around the sort of, what was the first sort of, I guess, was there an internship or a particular work experience that got your foot in the ladder of the legal sector and how did that experience or those experiences early on in your career inform your, your approach to law later? I have some knowledge of working with some international clients like and it's like a world famous organization, Red Cross, waste companies, IT companies, including gaming industry and pharmaceutical giants. So you, you mentioned some, some cool companies there, and there's a really big company I want to talk about that you, you've had work experience with a bit later. Based on these international clients you've worked with, is there a particular project or assignment that sticks out in your memory? I want to give the listeners a bit of an idea of like the, the, the activities you do as a lawyer and the sort of things you, you, you help to, to implement or deliver for clients. As an notary, I... I've been responsible for checking for some legal documents before they come to the country, I mean to the Ukraine. If some international or world-famous company come to Ukraine, it's a lot of rigorous checks from, from one side, from the government side, and from the second, like from a local society side. And if, if we are talking about pharmaceutical giants in Ukraine, it's very pretty nice and good, uh, a big government uh, institutes who like checking all medical, all medicine, and it's a lot of documents. It's a little bit boring stuff, but you have to follow it. Yeah, no, it requires 
it requires so many skills to be able to to attention to detail and ability to to know what you're looking for to summarize to process information so it requires a lot of different skills there would you agree with that yes i see but one particular skill i i, I would like to mention its ability to decompose and into molecules if you don't understand i mean the more details you discover the better it will be for the resolution of the issue mm, yeah i think i do follow with that i want to see i want to see andre so I want to pick up a bit more about your international experience. So you mentioned you're, you're of Ukrainian origin. You're based in London. You've worked with international teams. And of course, our listeners will be based in countries all over the world studying with us. What have you noticed in two senses about working in international teams and across different cultures? So firstly, the, the practice of law itself. And secondly, the differences between people and cultures and teams? It's a more rhetorical question about the difference with people and teams. There are, as I previously mentioned, rules, strict rules, uh, which you have to abide if you want to work in this particular company. And before somebody or someone let you in, you have to understand the rule of the games. It's simple as it is. And this rule of the games, it's like called policy, policy, policies. And when you read it, sign it, talk a lot of some small seminar passed in after this, only you could walk. So it's more or less, I don't see any differences if the person is well-educated, has, has intention to walk and has intention to listen and to learn. Mm. Yeah, that's very insightful for our listeners because one might assume that given the different the legal differentiations between certain countries and states that things might be practiced differently but what you're saying is there's like a, a universal overarching way of doing things across law no matter where you're you're based and i think that does fit in actually with a corporate environment where it is about ways established ways and processes that things are done maybe there's there's perhaps little room to deviate and i think actually that formulates nicely our second portion of of our conversation where you mentioned you want to you're looking and exploring about your career options but before that andre i want to focus on your particular work experience that you've had which is working in uber so our listeners will be very fascinated as i was to hear about your experience establishing Uber in Ukraine, your home nation. A rather impressive feat for your CV, and hopefully that will help with your, your job search currently. So please, Andre, could you tell us and listeners the story of how this opportunity presented itself? I was one of the persons who was in charge to help to, to start the Uber launch the Uber from the scratch. How this opportunity come to me? In Back in 2014 and 15, while traveling to North America, particularly to New York and Miami, every time I exited the airport, I saw a huge amount of drivers waiting for the collection of passengers. And these drivers were not regular taxis. They were Uber drivers in their cars. 
it was something significant and impressive for me how technology could develop within society. I mean, the pace, the speed on how it was going deeper and deeper to our ordinary lives. That is why I decided I have to know more about it as uh, like, and uh, I have to dive myself deeper if I want to know how this technology works. Yeah, so you saw a future of work in a sense of um, this industry is works differently here. I need to know more. I need to access my curious curiosity here and, and get involved with it. So that's that's really quite an intriguing entry into 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 this. And you told me offline that this was quite a formative experience. So you were in one sense the chief operating officer. In another sense, you were a business development manager, and in a, in a third sense, a trainer and a recruiter of a fleet of, of vehicles. And I want, to, I want to know more about all of that, really, and how did what you were doing at the time and all the law experience you've had, how did it help, or did it, really? Because it sounds like something completely different to, to what you were perhaps doing. Yes. If we're talking about changing career from law background to management background, the first, you have to understand the not just simple rules. You have to know, understand the legal rules. So taking into account my legal background, it is fine. If we're asking about the lack of experience, it is not always fine. I would like just to mention a famous Chinese philosopher Confucius once said, if you are the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. This for me means that every person in every age could receive a knowledge. I could definitely say that when the Uber was launching in Ukraine, I received some knowledge. It would be more successful for me personally and less time consuming. It's an interesting point you've raised. You've got a sense of self-awareness to know that learning never really stops no matter how senior you are and this is an emerging theme on our on our podcast it's very intriguing to know and it requires a level level of honesty so thank you for for sharing that i want to ask you i imagined that this disruptive technology and learning about it was in a way, an entrepreneurial adventure for yourself. And being somebody who's from a law background, this might be a very different way of doing things, an unfamiliar way of doing things. Do you recall at the time suffering from a bit of imposter syndrome or any particular challenges that you had in this work experience that you could tell us about? Yes, because as I mentioned, knowledge is 50% of the success. And throughout the everyday operation, I was thinking about how to do this, how to perform that, and how to define whether is it right or not. In addition, I mean, to my internal feelings and legal background. But if you have intention to learn, and sometimes you should, I, I mean, as minimum as for the basics, it would be fine. And what particular gaps in your skill set or knowledge did you realize that you had and you needed to develop? And what practical things did you do to fill those gaps? Was it a bit of learning by doing or did you have help 
with some some other people you said you were a part of a, a group who were involved in this or was it require some research what sort of things did you do to fill in those gaps the first step i was trying to think where could i receive some knowledge for example if taken back at that time i would definitely say i will take a management course from university of london so to receive the knowledge yes if you have time for this however sometimes it's not always possible and the second the opposite side from the managerial point of view it is sometimes better to forward the question to someone who more specialized instead of trying to manage by itself. Uh, because on my own opinion, you cannot lead every single issue within the company. And you, you have always to divide. Sometimes it could be painful. However, on the management level, you always have to prioritize. Yeah, really great. couple of wise nuggets of, of advice there for listeners. So... Once you recognize, to summarize what you were saying, I, I think you were saying you must recognize when you have a knowledge gap and be quite proactive in filling that, especially in an environment like an Uber, which is not an established company. It's very fast. You don't have time to be left behind. You need to, I guess, be quite proactive and, and on, on top of your own learning to do whatever you can is at your disposal resource-wise and time-wise to, to upskill yourself. And as you said, you, you pursued a, a short management course because you realized that's, that's how you could obtain that information. And then secondly, you were talking about the importance of your team. So I want to ask you just a follow-up about that and then we can move on to the next part of our conversation. But for somebody who's, I guess, a career starter or, or developer who would perhaps struggle with asking for that help or knowing who to go to and how to even approach a conversation like that, is there any tips or practical advice you can give to a listener thinking about, you know, taking on a new piece of work or... Um, attempting to go out of their comfort zone and, and or just really needing some some support how would you frame that conversation it's simple step number one you have to know the details of your question and even if you're a new person in the team if you know the details and you do not understand the next steps or how to go further you, you always could ask and you could imagine that if person who knows a lot, who is like a fish in the water in the company, asking you some questions, which you could know from the details of your small question. And if you provide the right answers, you will receive support and, and you will be a winner. So you have to know details in your small question and then only ask about the help. That's a fantastic point that not everybody would remember to raise. So I can relate to this a bit. When I was in the corporate sector, I used to work as a management consultant, Andre, and there were lots of times where, as you can relate, a new client environment, you don't know anything and you're looked to as the expert suddenly to fix their business issue. So many questions. You don't want to expose your lack of knowledge and rather you want to find the right person to, to ask that information without 
the framing the question as such that you don't have any idea. So what you're saying for listeners is do as much research as you can, be very well informed, and then perhaps frame the question to, to a trusted colleague. This is my line of thinking. Is it correct? Or this is what I know so far. Can you point me in the right direction? Is that is this something you would agree with as an approach? Yeah, nah, I could define more precisely. You, you have to not widen your question or your like so-called responsibility within one question. You, you have to do it a little bit narrower. And only then, within this small question, you have to know all details. But you have to say, I come, I need to, to ask, but about this question and no more, no, no further. I think as well, it's, it's an interesting topic and we could go into it if we had the time. But I think as well, from the point of view of the person you're, you're working with, they're going to be very busy with their own things. They don't have the time to help you navigate the question you're asking. And so it's, it's being conscious and aware of their time and being respectful of that to, to really hone in on the specifics of what it is you need to know and then you move on rather than having a, an expansive sort of philosophical discussion about <laughs> whatever the thing is. So I really do resonate with that and I think that's a great tip for our, for our listeners. So Andre, I want to move on to, um, thank you for sharing that experience with Uber as well. I want to move on to your academic backgrounds now. So you have mentioned at the start of the call that you are studying a, a master's of law in maritime and arbitration with the University of London. I want to understand how these academics are shaping your career and the career search you're currently going through. So for those firstly who won't know what maritime and arbitration law is, can you explain what that is? So the maritime law is the oldest law, first of all, which is concerned with the seas, oceans, and of course vessels, or more commonly called ships. Uh, food which you eat every day, or cloth which you receive, it always could be called cargo in the maritime industry, which sail throughout the waters, uh, ocean, seas, and it's still taking the legal position, I mean, maritime industry in, in general, and some cargos even are difficult to imagine to deliver by other means, I mean, separately by plane or whatever. So is it accurate to say this is the logistical transport side of, of, of industry supply chain and the legalities, looking at the legalities of those aspects? Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Excellent. And so my obvious question then, Andre, is why? Why are you studying this? What motivation or desire Where's this come from? As simple as it is. For me personally, the more challenging thing, the better for your personal development. So like I mentioned, maritime law is one of the oldest law. And I would like to cite one famous Spanish and American philosopher, George Santayana, who once said, to know your future, you must know your past. So for me, reasonably, these words and the knowledge is, means a lot. 
I must say, I'm loving these philosophical quotes that you're just dropping to our listeners. And for me as well, it's, it's amazing how something said so long ago can resonate still. So that's great. And it strikes me that you are the sort of person who is keen to always learn and keen to challenge themselves and has quite a quite calculated approach to, to how they decide what to do and what to learn. We're going to touch more actually, because you mentioned offline some, some really cool things that you're looking to get into in terms of the future and where you see yourself in five and say 10 years from now. But picking up on something you just mentioned, your background in managerial roles. Now that's not going to translate immediately and obviously to listeners being a lawyer. You've mentioned you now you've had some managerial experience. So what has that been? Has that been of, of people? Has that been an experience of managing teams, of large projects, of processes? Could you just demystify that for our listeners? The question is, do I have enough managerial experience? And yes and no. I have managed before the Uber, a small number of persons before Uber experience. And however, if you know the basics or intend to learn the basics, I don't see any issues with this. However, the one of the most important things is to how you feel the people and their thoughts about the future direction of the company and their respective or following steps uh, in the company. Now, I mean, I would call it in some sort of predictions. Because taking it into account my legal background and material experience in notarial activity, you always have to, if you manage, you have to be in direct communication with the people. Sometimes it with a huge amount of people and what are these people doing, it very depends on how the company is going on. So you have to predict the person's thoughts and their respective steps. Hmm, interesting. And is there a particular approach you would take or advise people to take when you're communicating on a large scale and managing on a large scale compared to like more intimate setting? Does it differ, the approach? If you have to speak to somebody and this is something important and you, you always have to speak face to face. I am happy with Zoom. I know now some managers from Zoom, Skype or whatever told me oh no, remote working is good, but face-to-face, -face, it's the best way because you feel the person, you try to understand the person's thoughts. Yeah, I, I would be worried if you said anything <laughs> otherwise as a lawyer and <laughs> being in a, a business or helping people. <laughs> yeah. So that's reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Andre, back to your, your degree and how it's going to help inform the next portion of your career so think about your your future self where do you see yourself in a professional sense five to ten years from now i venture to say in 10 years say when you become older and i as i am said i am in my 40 you begin to remind yourself that the work we perform every day it's just not always about the money Yes, it's maybe from the first sight looks strange, but what we have to think more seriously, it's about the planet because we are living on the planet. We have to place ourselves additionally to very nice, not boring project into the sustainable project. But and in my personal example, as I'm currently keen to work in the project called Neom, 
Neom, it's project in Saudi Arabia. This is for me personally about taking of the care of the nature, reasonable using natural resources, and uh, which is most important, preserving them. Significant investment in in green technologies, and and of course about people and how to unite from one side its nature and and the people from another side in, as I could say, so-called principle win-win, where the other side is our planet. Mm, that is such a cool aspiration because it's the future of, of the world, smart cities, if you think about sustainability in that sense. And you basically, you want to get involved in that and upskill yourself as a, as an expert when the time comes to, to have a, a, a huge influence much like you did with the ubu experience exactly. i guess you've you've learned from from that so you want to be part of something bigger than in quotation marks just being a lawyer so that is a fantastic aspiration andre and yes for listeners intrigued it's neom and we will put that in the show notes yes for please. sure so at the at this moment in time and just to give a bit perhaps of labor market intelligence for our listeners thinking about this sort of sector or these sectors, how do you see the future of the law industry or indeed the, the maritime logistics transport industry evolving over the short, medium, longer term? It would be more and more of artificial intelligence involvement, but I do not want to say that this directly mean that majority will lose their jobs or that the aforementioned jobs will become obsolete. I would say these are some sort of rational distribution of responsibilities between the artificial intelligence and the humans. Yeah, so hopefully it does end up like, like this where uh, we can all live in harmony and uh, all, all still have things to be doing alongside the robots. Yes. <laughs> so, so Andre, we've somehow reached the final closing segment of our show, which is a quick fire round. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, whatever comes to mind in a one word or a sentence, just let me know. So first question, Andre, what one thing do you ensure that you do when it comes to managing your well-being at work? Or your work-life balance? Yes, it's simple. You have to do a pause every hour. And you have to keep going with running, swimming every single day. Even 15 or 30 minutes, as I actually do. Every single day, I am or running or swimming. And this is in regular, frequent basis. And it helps a lot. And walk. You have to stop yourself and go somewhere, recharge some fresh air and come back. Fantastic advice. I couldn't agree more with it. So next question. What one thing do you enjoy the most about your job or your line of work? It, it, it has always two sides. <laughs> it, one side it's when I am enjoying, and second side it's it, it's not a humble for your personal health. But when you're a lawyer, sometimes you have to take risks and analyze a lot and keep a huge amount of information and aggregate this information, and on how you keep this all of these sorts of information in your mind. The more information you have. The right decision, as for me, you could 
provide a, a resolution you could do. Yeah, that really lends to the person you, you've portrayed yourself as on this podcast, as someone who's interested in learning and uh, mastering information, if you like. So that's something you, you safe to say, enjoy. Penultimate question, Andre. What one tip, given the wealth of experience you've had, different roles, and what you're about to enter, what one tip would you recommend to people to build their professional network? Maybe just keep going with your work. Or try be helpful as much as you could. To try to communicate as within the company. And if you have some some social network, using social network, for example, as for me personally, it's LinkedIn. If you have LinkedIn. You, you could as well to have some connections. So the first step, it's internally within the company. Try to communicate as much as you can. And the second one is external. It's LinkedIn for me. Yes, it's a good tip, especially in this new way of working where it's, it's all online. It's hard, it's harder to, to show your presence if you're we're doing this behind a screen. So... Make yourself known, I think, is what you're saying internally. As far, as far as you can, be quite proactive with that. And then finally, Andre, a bit of a fun question to end the show. So, imagine you had a time machine. If you could go back and do things differently as the younger version of Andre, would you? Would you choose the same career path for yourself? And yet, no. <laughs> The first step, I would say I'm originally from Ukraine to take some courses or even to receive a degree from world famous university. For me personally, it's, it, it, it is a very good University of London. And, and if you're talking about career, maybe a little bit different when you receive the internationally recognized degree, it means you look wider. If you look wider, you could see more opportunities instead of what I have previously had with my first jobs. That's fantastic advice, Andre. And that is actually a wrap. So, Andre, I want to thank you for your time. I've really enjoyed speaking with you again. And I want to say thank you as well for being so honest and sharing all of your wisdom that you have done on the Global Careers Call. You got any final parting words for our listeners? Yes, I have. Keep going, keep maintaining, and do not fall back. It's like said famous Denzel Washington actor, fall forward. You have to always look forward and fall forward, not fall back, and keep maintaining. I love that, Andre. Thank you very much for joining me on the Global Careers Call. This was the Global Careers Calls podcast brought to you by the University of London Careers Service. All links and resources are in the episode notes. This episode was hosted by Tanya Kazim, edited by Abby Underwood, and introduced by me, Melissa Drorian. Follow and subscribe to keep up to date with our upcoming episodes with more motivational stories from our diverse graduate cohort. And please rate and leave a review if you found it useful. To listen to previous episodes and find further resources by our team, visit www.london.ac.uk forward slash careers.